This episode of the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast is sponsored by LL Flooring. These are the floors homes are built on. Visit the experts at your local store or go to llflooring.com forward slash pro to learn more. Home improvements, home renovations, home maintenance, home repairs, and all the other challenges of home ownership. Welcome to the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast. Hey folks, my name is Doug, and today I am pleased to welcome John from azdiyguy.com back to the podcast. But before we get into our conversation, let me first give you a little background. When we moved from our money pit house to our current house, we downsized, and nowhere is that more evident than in the kitchen. That was the hardest part of moving, giving up a newly renovated dream kitchen with cherry cabinets and granite countertops and lots of storage. Our current kitchen just doesn't measure up. A complete kitchen remodel is in our future. Eventually, it's going to be a while. But that doesn't mean that I am not constantly thinking about it now. When it comes to kitchens, there's a few ways to go about things. You can go full custom cabinets that are designed and built specifically for your space. Or you can buy assembled cabinets off the shelf at the home center. Or you can buy flat pack cabinets that you assemble yourself. The best example of that last one is, of course, Ikea. And that was the option that John chose when he renovated his kitchen. Disclaimer! Ikea is not a sponsor of this podcast. Neither John nor I are receiving any compensation for discussing Ikea on this podcast. Although if Ikea wants to pay me something for every time we mention Ikea by name, I would happily accept a check from Ikea. And while I'm at it, here is another disclaimer. This conversation took place at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. That was at John's request. John is in Arizona. So it was 5 a.m. his time. John is a morning person. It will become abundantly clear which one of us is not a morning person. Uh, Yeah, that would be the guy who slept in until 8. So with that said, here is my conversation with John about his Ikea kitchen. So I guess my first question to you is, you call yourself a DIY guy. So why the Ikea kitchen? Are you losing your DIY cred by going flat pack? Yeah, I probably am, right? I mean, uh, I I have a table saw and a miter saw and I have the, the jigs and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I... I haven't built a cabinet. I've built similar. I've built some, um, some furniture for, you know, TV cases and things like that in the past, but uh, it was, it was more time. Um, even, even money, you know, to do it right, to build your own is going to be pretty expensive to buy the, the proper plywood. And uh, then do I get into door making or do I buy complete doors or whatever? But um, you know, we went through all those things, even repainting the existing, which I'd done in a previous home. Um, but it, looking at it, it, it was, we needed a total redo. I mean, down to the studs, moving things around, electrical plumbing, uh, removing a window, replacing with a door. So much work needed to be done that with my available time, you know, I do work full time in another uh, field. Uh, I'd be working weekends for five years, right, to 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 get the thing done. and. As it was, this thing took me two years. So flat pack, easy, 
a little help with the design. I I am a DIY guy, but I don't know anything about kitchen design, right? I don't know where to lay things out or or whatnot. I can fit boxes in spaces, but I'm not a an ergonomics champion or anything like that to to have the the background to do that type of thing. So ultimately, I chose to go with the flat pack, knowing that eventually I could replace it. I could I could move forward if they didn't work out. And I did a bunch of research, you know, which which ones to go after. I visited some other places. I looked online, read reviews, and really the people who were down on IKEA don't have IKEA, right? The people who have it in their homes generally seem to be pleased with it. Yeah, I, I've seen that too. I know other people online who have IKEA kitchens and they rave about them. Like, like you said, it's people that don't have it that uh, kind of look down on it. Absolutely. And it, it really is pocket change compared to having custom work done. I mean, it's not even comparable. Uh, the amount of money that these things cost versus uh, having something built for you. And they come with all the doodads and widgets and whatnot available. Uh, everything in the store seems to fit in there perfectly. It's just too easy and speedy. There are certain renovations, like, for example, a basement, where you have the luxury of letting the space speak to you before you finalize your decisions. And you really don't have that kind of luxury with a kitchen. Now, you said that you spent two years working on yours. Um, right. did, did you have a firm plan going in? or um, did, No. Did, did you develop your own plan? Did you seek out professional advice? No, I, I guess a little of all of that. Um, you know, it was a, a U-shaped kitchen. It was tight. It's it's not a huge kitchen. It's not a tiny kitchen, but uh, it didn't work. Uh, it had been renovated at some point, um, cobbled together, obviously, by somebody who didn't know what they were doing. That's kind of what I uncovered. But I didn't really know what needed to go where. I knew some some key concepts of what we wanted to do. We wanted to switch to a galley style with an outdoor exit at one end in the in the base of the U shape, if you can picture that. Um, as far as, you know, just laying cabinets out, I could do it, but, but, um, exactly what and how and whatnot, I just couldn't get there. I used their online design tool, fiddled around with it. And, you know, things look good when you lay them out on a computer, they snap together, they're square, they're pretty when you put the the pictures together and whatnot, but you don't, you don't really know how it's going to work out for you. So I did end up using a third party design service. I don't remember what it cost. Um, well, they ended up giving it to me to, to kind of review it, but it was, it was less than $300 as I recall, or right around in that area to have them do a design and they give you a parts list, right? They do above and beyond what, uh, the Ikea software does. And so they helped me with the design, but I pushed back throughout the process, right? I do like this, don't like that, move this, expand that, um, to, to get a finish, a, a final plan, Right. And uh, a lot of it had to do with work that I had to do before the cabinets even went in, right? I had a lot of structural, electrical, plumbing, ultimately flooring. I did the flooring after the cabinets, actually. Um, So I did end up with a plan on paper, on the computer that I could follow to, to put the things in. And it helped me locate specifically where those other items needed to go where I needed receptacles or where I needed the drain line to be the vent line to be in that kind of thing. So when I started, I had the plan. Okay. But it was a uh, kind of a long process to get there. 
Yeah, it sure was. I mean, I, I think I even started poking away at this kind of at the point that you're at two years before I even touched it as far as demo go. Right. I, you know, I'm looking at it and I can't, I figured I couldn't tear a portion out that I wanted to tear out. Cause there was, you can't find the tile for the floor anymore. I mean, that was a huge problem before we even started. What are we going to do when we tear cabinets out and we could tell there's no flooring underneath it. It's a tile floor and they don't make it anymore. And I couldn't find it. I searched for years to trying to find these tiles. I'm sure somebody's got them in their garage or shed somewhere in the planet, but I couldn't find them. So that was a big problem that hung up the design ideas. Um, but but for two years, I just kind of fiddled with it. Not to mention we needed to tuck some bucks away, right? A, a kitchen remodel, regardless of uh, where you get in the cabinets, is not a cheap endeavor. Um, so we had to kind of wait and plan. And finally, when it was launch time, you know, once you start putting the crowbar to it, there's no turning back, you know, in your kitchen. Um, yeah, it becomes really inconvenient very fast. <laughs> Absolutely. Not many of us have two kitchens. <laughs> so you said that your kitchen was kind of cobbled together by a previous owner. What were the shortcomings with your previous design? There was, so we would, we would enter the kitchen kind of uh, from the front door. You would kind of take a, le- a hard left to get into the kitchen and the refrigerator had been moved. Actually, I had to move the refrigerator close to the entrance to the kitchen. So it it blocked the view of the kitchen and made it much more tunnel-like. I had had to move it because of the refrigerator that came with the house had died uh, a few years earlier, and it was tiny. They had built cabinets around a very small, substandard size refrigerator. So that had to be fixed. Uh, there was not enough storage in the kitchen, even though there was cabinetry at kind of everywhere. There was a soffit above it uh, that was just, to me, wasted space. I wanted to go all the way to the ceiling and uh, get some tall uppers. The uh, The far end where there was a window was not even a window. It was like a single pane greenhouse style hanging off the side of the, the house on the west side window thing. So it basically took the outside air and wrapped it around even more single pane glass on the west side of the house in Phoenix, Arizona, if you can imagine. So it was almost a place that you couldn't survive in the afternoon in the summer. You don't want to go in there and fire up a pot of spaghetti at 115 degrees when you can control the the uh, the temperature in that end of the house, right? So that had to be fixed. And uh, that's kind of where we ultimately decided to put a door, uh, you know, a, a double pane glass with insulated door and maybe a, a future patio out there someday. Um, so just little things like that. There were also some crowding zones, like between the uh, the stove and the where the uh, the pantry had been and the sink and all that. You know, we just collide with each other, right? There wasn't good movement space in the kitchen, and that was one of the things I had no idea how to solve. Right? We just wanted to open it up. At this point, I asked John about the third-party kitchen designer he worked with. This was a place, I believe they were in, in Florida. It was called IKD Designs. Uh, they assigned me a person, and I sent a, a bunch of measurements and a bunch of photographs over the Internet. And um, I believe we had maybe one phone call, but everything else was email and 
um, back and forth uh, with them. I mean, I, I do believe they were, you know, the person I was working with was a, you know, legit kitchen designer. They did a fantastic job and uh, they took their software and kind of dumped it into the Ikea software. In fact, when they put it into the Ikea software, it wasn't even laid in the right places. It was just to get a parts list. I used their drawings for layout and they were really precise and they caught things I never would have caught in that in the Ikea software. Little spacers and the little extras that you need to make things work. Like for instance, a door that would swing against a wall. I would have just slammed a box up there, right? Didn't even think about the fact that the knob is going to hit the wall and prevent that door from opening. And therefore, if you have little slide out drawers, they wouldn't be able to open because the, the door may be somewhat less than 90 degrees, right? So they caught all that. I never would have caught that. And then other little spacing things and, and whatnot that just nailed it, just nailed it. I, I barely had to think about any of that stuff. There are things I would do differently now in, in a year of hindsight, but um, just just killed it way better than I could have done. And that was completely done online. Nobody, yeah. nobody came on and did their own measurements. No, my responsibility to nail the, the measurements the, you know, with some of those little spacer things, uh, only at, at the wall end on one end of the kitchen was there a spacer. So I could adjust out as much as maybe three or four inches, you know, slice that thing a little thinner or, or, or wider if I needed to. But I was lucky in that I wasn't buried into a space with the cabinets. I could let them run a little long or a little short on the other end. So it start at the wall and move out to what became, you know, an open space, right? Into a dining room slash pass-through. The only thing I had to worry about was not hanging a, a cabinet past, you know, can't hang it out into empty space. So I, I was right there. At, at the end, I'm half an inch off on both ends to where the wall just barely wraps into a cabinet. So it, it worked out fine for me. My measurements were okay. The only time I had somebody uh, measure was I had a, a third party do my countertops. They're way, way too much money on countertops to DIY it, in my opinion, unless I was doing something like tiling it myself or trying concrete or buying off the rack stuff. But, you know, we went for a little bit higher end countertop and I wasn't going to risk it. I wanted somebody else to come in and do it. What countertop material did you go with? Soapstone. We ended up with a, um, a soapstone, soapstone, I believe it was out of New England or something like that from one of the local shops here in town. So it's just a, a little more rare around here um, in Phoenix. You don't see soapstone a lot. And we like the look, all white kitchen. And then soapstone's kind of in that really, really dark gray to black range. And it makes everything kind of pop. We really like how this soapstone stuff turned out. It'd be a little more careful with it than some other material, but um, it, it's, it turned out great. That's interesting. I haven't heard of soapstone countertops. I, I, I watched... I used to watch at least a lot of DIY shows. I've seen a lot of stuff online. I don't believe I've come across soapstone counters. Yeah. It's like a high school chemistry class, right? That black stuff. It's great with heat. Um, you got to oil it. It gets dark as you oil it and the oil doesn't even really soak in. So you kind of wipe it around and wipe it off. And uh, as you use it, it's just sort of dries up in time. You just put a little mineral oil on there and good to go. But the only the only issue with it is it's soft, right? So if you got kids wailing on it with a pan, 
you're going to get a little scratch or nick or whatever, which it already kind of has somewhat of a rustic surface. So it just kind of builds character in time. Oh, that's interesting. How how does it compare in price to the more common stones like granite? I think it's right there. It's, it's in that neighborhood. It was probably a little higher for us because it's thick and heavy and we're on the opposite side of the country is where you get it. American soapstone comes from the, the East coast, the Northeast, I believe is where it's quarried. So I probably paid a nickel or two higher than I would if I lived in New England, but you know, it was, it was here, it was in stock, just like any of the other stones you go, you pick out your slab, kind of get the, get the sizing you want. And, and we were lucky to find one that just, we got there with zero waste, right? I had nothing left over. So I didn't have to, I didn't have to buy more than I needed, right? We were able to kind of block off the, um, I guess it was uh, four individual sections, four unique pieces out of this slab to, to fit the kitchen. And it, it worked. We we're, we we're real pleased with it. Oh, I might have to look into that myself. Yeah. We really enjoy it. And, and being unique is another thing, right? You know, people come in and wow, what is that? You know, it's, it's, it's just kind of unique. You don't see it around um, people's houses. So we like it. That, that, that's its own positive thing to be unique. Yeah. Little charm to it, I guess. And, you know, we went with the kind of a more classic kitchen design. Yes, it's all white. I understand that's even going out now, but white with kind of, um, you know, raised face cabinet. It feels like it'll, it, it should stand the test of time. We didn't do anything uh, trendy. It's, for, it's not ultra modern. You know, a countertop like that wouldn't last, you know, in an ultra modern house. It wouldn't look good at all. Right. Um, but, more classic, almost, I don't know, farmhouse style or country style appearance. We did just a white subway tile, very inexpensive, cheap, but but classic with the understanding that I don't want to do this again, right? <laughs> if, if I if I have to replace the cabinets at some time, maybe, but you know, we're we're well on our way into the lifespan of this kitchen now with a year behind us and they're holding up fantastic. So I think I think I'm moving on to other projects. I'll be too old to do it next time. When it's time to change out this kitchen, I'll be I'll be too old for it. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor, LL Flooring is one of America's largest specialty retailers of hard surface flooring. They understand that your floor is the foundation of your home style. That's why they offer over 400 floors, all at the best value including fellow wood hardwood floors, which are backed by a transferable 100-year warranty. Visit one of their over 400 stores to find the right hardwood, waterproof vinyl, laminate, bamboo, or tile flooring for your style. Their flooring experts will guide you every step of the way, from finding the perfect floor for your project to arranging safe, professional installation. Allow Flooring has a variety of digital tools to help you transform your home. Use their Floor Finder tool to discover the best options for your project. And then use Picture It, their online visualizer to see your new floor in your space before you install. For store locations, style advice, and more, visit llflooring.com forward slash pro. Again, that's llflooring.com forward slash pro. These are the floors homes are built on. LL flooring.
so let's get back to the cabinets. Um, yeah. Ikea is kind of famous for, I, I, I don't know which they're more famous for, for the ease of building things or for how complicated it is to build some of their furniture. Oh, yeah. Like the uh, little bag of sticks and acorns that you get when you open up, you know, the box and, and then the hieroglyphic instructions you can't really follow. Right. But yeah, they were easy. I mean, the, the first one I built, I think, was a pantry, a big pantry box. And I, th- I think I did a couple things backwards or not quite right. And then the first time I built a drawer was a little bit difficult. But, you know, just just from a standpoint of trans transposing those instructions into real space, I mean, it, they're so intelligent the way they pack these things and the way they design these things. And yet those instructions are awful, right? They're just terrible. But you just get to the point pretty quick where you just got it. And it doesn't matter, at least with these kitchen products. I, I've built other things by IKEA, and they don't all use the same logic. But the kitchen stuff that I did in this particular collection and style, it used the exact same logic for every piece, just a bigger drawer, a bigger cabinet. Everything was the same. And it, it got down. My son and I would just turn down the radio, and we would just plink these things together. And we're just flying through it. So to do an entire kitchen in one sitting, assembling the cabinets, it would be mind-numbing. But banging out five or six as, as many as I was going to do in a day, sit down, slam them together, you know, less than 10 minutes to do the whole thing. Uh, as far as the box, right? The box, the hanging hardware, all that, and, and slip it up on the wall. Even their, even their hanging stuff, they have this rail system. You put the rail up across the top and you just grab the cabinet and pitch it up there. Done. No bracing, no leveling none of that you're you already did it with hanging this rail thing on the wall so it's it's real intelligent real quick to do yeah i know i've put together a couple pieces of ikea before and i mean you know looking at the instructions wasn't terribly difficult and i mean i i was impressed with the quality because over the years i've put together a lot of flat pack especially bookcases yeah you know i've put together five or six different brands of bookcases over the years and their Billy bookcase, which is one of their top sellers, obviously. Yeah. That went together so quick and easy and it was so intuitive. Everything fit. So yeah, I, I think when it comes to Ikea, um, what am I trying to say here? <laughs> I know what you mean. They, they got it. I mean, they, they do got it. And, and, and all the parts are in the bag too. I, I, I have experience with those other things from, you know, back in the day and inevitably you're missing something, some little cog or some little pieces missing with Ikea. It was for me, it was all there. And if it wasn't, you could just go to the store and they had little bins down in the package pickup area. There's just a bunch of little pull out bins. If you need a little widget that, that fits. I was not aware of that. I've only ordered online. So I haven't actually been in one of the big Ikea stores. Oh Yeah. I've heard about this. <laughs> I, I, we are we are absolutely. I mean, if you're going to be blessed by IKEA, uh, I'm eight minutes away. I mean, it is eight minutes as if I hit a red light. Right? It's just on the other side of the highway from me, and so I didn't have to order. I didn't pick up the whole kitchen at once. I did it in two different trips, six months apart. I if I, I decided to add something like those little door closing things to make it quiet. 
pop over uh, uh, drawer liners or whatever. I'm blessed. Whereas I, I know other families pack a picnic lunch and caravan across state to, to visit a Ikea, you know, why would you pack a picnic lunch when they have meatballs? <laughs> oh, that's true. That is true. You got to get some meatballs, right? Now in the process of doing the kitchen, you had a little mishap with your sink. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. That one, uh, I'd actually forgotten until you bring that up. <laughs> that one's a killer. So we bought what I didn't know at the time was the last of, or the nearly the last of a particular farm sink. And it was also Ikea, right? I didn't put a ton of research into different types of, of farm sinks other than to know they're expensive. They are very expensive. Ikea's was pretty economical. Um, nice looking. It had that little kind of drying rack uh, thing on the back, full depth. So it goes from the front of the cabinet all the way to the wall. So we weren't, we didn't need to buy uh, our, our countertop in such a way that would have to be fused together behind the sink. There was no countertop behind the sink. So we were really happy with this thing. And um, I don't even remember exactly what step I was doing, but I, uh, I put my foot on it when I was working up, probably, I think installing a, a, a light. I believe I was installing the, the light above the sink. I just, I mean, I think I rested my big toe on the back of this thing for a second, slipped a little bit and snapped it. So in the back is, it's just whatever the stuff's made out of porcelain. It's not porcelain, but uh, clay or, you know, I don't know what they make the sink out of. But there's there's no steel reinforcement like there is in the rest of the sinker, and I just snapped a corner of it right off. And uh, oh, I mean, that was a killer, right? Everything was it wasn't the countertops weren't in yet. It was just sort of sitting there, and I broke it, and they don't make it anymore. So I had had it in a box, you know, for a few months, and can't get it. I hunted around. I mean, there were some on the other side of the country that would have cost me five times more to ship it. And so I just, I couldn't even buy a replacement and the new one doesn't have that back on it. Right. The thing that they replaced it with doesn't have the full depth. It's, it's going to require countertop behind it. And I don't have any material left. Right? I don't have a single shred of that countertop. So that was painful. I ended up JB welding the thing together. Um, you could see the hairline crack I bought some stuff to maybe fix it. And it's one of those things I haven't started it. I haven't done it because I don't want to fail. <laughs> right? I don't I don't want to try a fix and it looks worse. So I have some kind of, you know, sink repair putty goose much stuff to put in there and I haven't even attempted it yet. So it just works if you put the scrub brush kind of at a diagonal angle, just sort of lay it on the back there and you can't see it. Fixed. That works. Yeah. So JP Weld is not a sponsor. How is, <laughs> no. uh, how, how is that repair holding up? Because that's been a little while now since you've done that. Oh, real good. I mean, yeah. And, and you got to figure there's some weight on that thing. You fill a sink with water, right? Soak a pot or something. There's a significant amount of weight. And, and the sink itself is not light. So what I, when, I, when I do something like that where I don't care what it's going to look like on the backside – I put wet JB weld and then embed some cloth or mesh in it and then put more JB weld. Right. So I kind of did it like it was, 
I don't know, like you do fiberglass work or something, I'm guessing. So rather than just pure JB Weld right in the crack, I buttered the backside and kind of put a Band-Aid on it, I guess would be a good way to describe it. And it's holding. It won't break there again. I've had good experience with that JB Weld stuff. <laughs> Not a sponsor, right? But man, it, it's been pretty good stuff. Well, it's good that it's holding up and you already had that built-in character. <laughs> yeah, it's a hundred-year-old sink, right? Anyone who has ever put together flat pack furniture or cabinets knows how much space that can take up. I asked John about his process for assembling the cabinets and staying organized. So I, I did them as uh, pretty much as needed, right? So I mentioned that rail. So I hang the rail first, and then I kind of worked from one wall and worked across. So I built them as needed. I bought half the kitchen at a time, right? So I bought during sales events. Right, they do that every six months. They have a significant sale if you buy over a certain amount. So it was just enough to get over that amount, whatever that was, right? Just enough to get the discount. I bought half the kitchen. It is flat pack. We filled our office, right? We have a little office. I put it underneath the desk everywhere, label out so I could find it. Just boxes of doors set up like books and whatnot. So I would I would go in there and find what I needed. Um, I would have cardboard. I kept the cardboard for the pantry cause it was huge on the floor. So I would, I would just lay right there in the center of the kitchen, assemble the big stuff on the floor, heft it up on the wall, click, didn't attach them together. Um, didn't put the little locks in to get them on the wall. Just, just pitch them up there. Um, until I got a good section together, you know, kind of the weekend's worth or the, the day's worth. And then I would go back and, uh, you know, pop the little legs on. So, so yeah, build them on the cardboard, slap them up, done. I never did store a bunch of cabinets. That's what I would have had to do had I built them, right? That was another one of those considerations. You know, if you're building cabinets, you don't just build one and go and nail it up, right? You gotta, you gotta, cause you can destroy your workshop and garage and all that. You need to get into kind of assembly line production mode, cut you a bunch of sides and tops and, you know, just, just, work through all of them right i couldn't store a kitchen's worth of cabinets anywhere i mean first of all you're storing the entire kitchen in another room right you know you're cooking on your dining room table in a microwave and you know i had little fake kitchens set up here and there and then i had a room full of parts and pieces i had a stove and a dishwasher and you know every little nook of the cranny of the house was full of stuff I was still using my garage as a, that's where my workshop is. So I couldn't have it full. So it, it would have been challenging to have three dimensional cabinet cabinet storage, right? Flat pack in this case was fantastic, right? It worked for me. Cardboard was the problem. <laughs> that's right. I had a heap of cardboard building up. Everything's in a box. Every single cabinet, there's a box then there's a box for the door or doors. And then there's a box for each drawer. And the <laughs> yeah, it, it's a huge amount of cardboard. So yeah, I, yeah, I had to cart that off. So what I, I brought the cabinetry in, in, in one load per half a kitchen in my, my short bed pickup, which was a Honda Ridgeline. So I fit half a kitchen in that Honda, in the bed and in every conceivable space in the front one trip. And then 
another full trip of cardboard down to the recycling center per half of the kitchen. Wow. But pr- try to put a half a pack, of, uh, half a kitchen of um, three-dimensional cabinets in a Honda Ridgeline. There's no way. <laughs> There's no way. I'd be doing a pantry and a little microwave cabinet in one trip. That'd be about it, right? Right. I, w- I was kind of curious what your process was as far as the whole assembly line thing and yeah. all that. Yeah, one at a time. That that was the way to do it for me. Um, I would do I would do a batch of drawers, right? Uh, drawers I would work at table height, right? You know, snap them together, screw them together, build a pile of drawers, right? And then you just go click them in. So that was the one I would that I would assembly line. So now that you've completed the kitchen, if you had to do it over again, is there anything that you would do differently? Well, I wouldn't stand on the sink. That that would be number one. Don't stand on your brand new sink. There were a couple of real things. Um, we bought a counter depth fridge because the where we placed it and just the experience of where the original setting was. We just didn't want that cave like feel. So the shallower fridge kind of fit without blocking off the room of a galley style. And I mean, it's been great. I mean, during this pandemic thing, you know, we're, we're cooking a little more at home. We're not naturally gourmands or anything like that, where we do a ton of cooking at home all the time. But um, we've been stretching to, to find space in that fridge, especially the freezer. But more importantly, the doors are so close to the face of the cabinets. I've got a dent on both sides now where they hit the knob. So... I don't know the better way to that I could have avoided that, right? I could have put the knob on the other side of the door and not have the the two pantries that are on both sides of the fridge open kind of closet style. I could have had them open like a suicide door in an old car, you know, the wrong way. And that doesn't really make sense. Um, maybe I could have put a spacer in there. I, I don't know. I mean, it's too late, right? So there's something I wouldn't do again. I would find a solution so that the that the thin metal of a refrigerator didn't hit that those knobs, those cabinet knobs. Another one is the uh, the countertop extends beyond, as all of them do, beyond the face of the cabinets. And so I have a pantry door that opens into a countertop, right, just a little bit. But I got a nick there now. So that is the only place in all the surfaces of this Ikea, you know, white wrapped or coated, or I don't don't know what that coating is on there, where I have a problem. I didn't realize it until it was too late. Otherwise, I would kind of try to put some kind of bumper on there on the side of the countertop. Uh, I tried way too late. I'd already oiled the countertop and nothing will stick to it. So what I'll probably do, at least while they're still making this cabinet face, is just buy a new cabinet door and try to come up with some kind of bumper solution, but um, not pleased about that. Um, those are, those are the two biggest wish I would have done it differently. I mean, I, I'd want to tear out the floor and put a whole new floor in so I wouldn't have to deal with some of those tile issues, but there really wasn't a solution for that. It would have meant retiling the better part of the whole house. There's no clean angles in that the way that room joins to other rooms um, that would have been good looking at all. I really struggle with that. But if money was no object, I'd rip all the tile out of the house and replace it with something a little more professionally done. 
beyond that, I, I'm pretty happy with it. Um, I, I don't, I don't have any concerns about the longevity of it at this point. Everything's holding up well. I may second guess it if I still had toddlers around slamming things into them, right? I don't know that they're good for impact, you know, getting banged on with stuff. Yeah. If, if you have toddlers, of course, you can have the most high end kitchen and the amount yeah. of damage toddlers are going to do is going to be that much worse. So, yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. You're probably right. I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's much else I would do differently, right? Um, I, I like the surfaces that we chose. I like the design we chose. My wife's happy with it, right? That's number one. And and at a at a reasonable price point, you know, I've got those pull-out drawers in every cabinet and little niceties like that and the, the little drop-in trays to organize silverware and knives that are perfectly fit. To me, that's all kind of been a plus. I can't, I can't really think of much else I would do differently, right? Part of it is, you know, from, hey, we're going to redo the kitchen thought to done was five years, right? There were a couple years of not doing anything but pondering and thinking and internet research and all that stuff. I went through a lot of different ideas over the years, you know, before I launched in. I, I wouldn't be as happy as I am now if we had just decided to do it and did it. I'm, I'm sure of it. Uh, if I didn't have somebody help design it, I, I, I really think that was probably a wise investment. Because just like any anything you could do yourself, when you involve a computer layout, it just looks fantastic. So you'll fall in love with your own design, and it doesn't mean it's functional. It just means it looks good on a computer. Um, long answer for a short question, I guess. <laughs> That's a good answer, though. Yeah. Well, once again, John, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to... Oh, you got it, man. It's always fun. Help us out here. And um, if people want to find you online, your website is... It's uh, azdiyguy.com. And all social media is all the same, just azdiyguy. And what social media are you on? Uh, Instagram and Facebook. Um, that's about it. I've been dabbling in YouTube a little bit lately. I might move that direction at some point, get into that a little bit more. I do have a channel there. Um, very occasionally I'll hit Twitter. That's about it. Okay. Well, thanks again, John. Uh, hope we can do this again sometime. Sounds good. Anytime. Like I said, always fun. Before I wrap up, I want to mention again the design service that John used. IKD stands for Inspired Kitchen Design. They design with IKEA cabinets throughout the house and their designers are certified by the National Kitchen and Bath Association. You can learn more at inspiredkitchendesign.com and I will point out that they are not a sponsor and this is not a paid advertisement. You can find that link plus links to John's blog on the show notes page for this episode. You'll want to check it out if you want to learn more about how he dealt with his floor tile issue something that he mentioned in our conversation, but we never actually discussed. My website, once again, is thumbandhammer.com. And you can also find me on Twitter, where my handle is at thumbandhammer. You can also let me know how I'm doing by dropping me an email. Just go to thumbandhammer.com slash contact to do that. I will be back in a couple weeks with another episode. Until then, cheers. Cheers.